Hi guys, thanks for joining me for the second episode of Inspiring Reading. I'm reading this book called Spark. It's about how to lead yourself and others to greater success. I was reading this chapter called Leadership Indoctrination. I'm going to share the story with you. Sean's story. I learned how to lead right after I make some of the most important but difficult decisions of my life. Dropping out of engineering school at Yale, switching my major to philosophy, and joining the Air Force after graduation. My parents were altruists. We're spending all this money on an Ivy League education, and you're studying philosophy and going into the military. My friends thought I was nuts. We're going to get rich on Wall Street while you're going to be training in some desert. What's wrong with you, Sean? In other words, I was getting zero affirmation from my environment that my decisions were good ones. But it felt right to me. For the first time in my life, I was pursuing goals that were aligned with my passions, and I was going to realize my childhood dream of becoming a fighter pilot. After I graduated from college, I was shipped off to Officer Candidate School (OCS), where where I was immediately indoctrinated into the Air Force culture. I kept hearing the phrase "leadership development" in the classroom, along with the words "accountability" and "integrity." These were obviously important concepts to the Air Force, but ones I had never really thought much about. It was now becoming clear on a daily basis, however, that accountability and integrity were expectations that the Air Force fully embraced, and that I had to meet. I still didn't understand what being a leader meant, though I soon would. After I graduated from OCS, I was sent to flight school. I finally felt like I had arrived. One of the very first things I did in training was get in the backseat of an F-16, so I could become familiar with the Viper and learn more about piloting an aircraft. There are truly no words to describe the pure excitement I felt that morning as I was putting on my flight suit. When I arrived at the hangar, I met with the pilot who would be flying the jet. He was a crusty old major who was also going to serve as my teacher for the day. I could tell that he took his job seriously just by his direct way of speaking to me, while giving me plenty of details about the sortie we were going out on. His instruction was interesting, but I have to admit that my focus was really more on the joy ride coming up. When we took off, the speed took my breath away. And then there was turning, burning airplanes whizzing by, and constant radio traffic. The squadron was simulating an attack on an airfield, and man, it was awesome! I was hanging on to the tail of the airplane for the entire ninety minutes flight. When we landed, all the pilots, including the major and me, went into the ready room. At the A debriefing room where we discussed every detail of the sortie, and pinpointed all of the lessons learned. 
Everyone was recreating the event on whiteboards, and we were watching videos of each pilot's performance. I was lost during this discussion. When consisting most, when consisting mostly of acronyms that make sense to others, but sound like alphabet soup to me. But what captured my attention was the level of cadre among the pilots. Junior officers pointed out where their bosses make mistakes, and senior officers were open to their input and even asked for additional constructive criticism. I wasn't expecting this type of candid feedback in a rank-oriented culture, but it was clear that everyone in the squadron, not just the major, the highest-ranking officer in the room. Felt compelled to address the squadron's performance and where it had fallen short. At the end of the debriefing, when everyone started walking out, the major signaled me out and asked me to stay. Surprised, I stopped in my tracks. He pointed his finger at me and then let me have it. Hey, lieutenant, how come you had nothing to add to that conversation? I didn't hear one word from you. You were out there. You saw what happened. Why didn't you speak up? When I tried to jump in to defend myself and say that I was new, that I didn't know, that I was simply trying to learn, he quickly silenced me by saying, "The Air Force doesn't owe you anything, Lieutenant. Stop with that excuses. Start contributing. You're new, but you're not dumb. Now get out of here and get a haircut." As I left the hangar, I could feel my face getting red from embarrassment. And when I got into my car, those emotions were suddenly replaced with anger. What's wrong with the Air Force? Don't they know what I gave up to be here? I left a safe career path that was sure to lead to tremendous wealth, and now I'm stuck here in this stupid organization that treats its newest members like dirt. What's up with the major? Who does he think he is? He can't possibly believe he's teaching anyone by ranting and waving like he just did. What a poor excuse for an officer! But on my but on my drive home, as my anger cooled, I started to turn on myself. Maybe it wasn't the Air Force. Maybe it wasn't the major. Maybe it was me. Everyone in the debriefing room had seemed comfortable during the heated exchanges. Why couldn't I accept criticism? Why didn't I ask questions? Why didn't I contribute during the debriefing? The major was right. I might have been new, but I wasn't dumb. Maybe I didn't have what it took to succeed here. Maybe I didn't make the wrong choice. I spent a better portion of the day cycling through the emotions of indignation, humiliation, shame, and despair. But by the night, I had arrived at clarity. I had a choice: I could take the feedback I just heard and learn from it, or I could ignore it. If I chose to ignore it, I could envision a very frustrating future in the Air Force ahead of me. I had signed a six-year contract to serve, so I couldn't quit. 
This was the moment when I realized that I needed to do something differently, something that I never done before, to overcome the situation I found myself in. In short, this was my spark moment. Up until this point in my career, if I came across a problem, simple hard work solved it. Difficult class, study more. Preparing for a swim meet, train more. Need money for college, get a part-time job. But my old-fashioned work ethic wasn't going to solve this problem. I needed to figure out how to lead, starting with myself. I knew I didn't want to waste time fighting the Air Force culture, but I could change my response to it. This was my time to make a conscious effort to override my reaction to the situation and apply the leadership lessons my trainers at OCS had talked about. Accountability and integrity, yeah, I needed those. Several weeks earlier, in the sterile classroom environment. Leadership hadn't sounded too complicated, but during this moment of insecurity, being a leader was suddenly incredibly challenging. I had to be better than my instincts, all of which were directing me towards negative, self-defeating, irresponsible actions that might protect my ego, but weren't going to help me succeed in the Air Force. In this moment. I had to come to grips with my reality. The major was right. I had just been presented with a learning opportunity, but I was disengaged from the lesson. My focus had been on the thrill of the jet ride, but it should have been on my responsibility to contribute to the team. Moving forward, I would make a point of speaking up, even if I felt afraid of asking a stupid question. I also knew that I was going to have to learn how to take professional criticism. I just sat through a debriefing with talented fighter pilots at the peak of the game. When they received feedback, they didn't get defensive or over excuses as I'd done. They welcomed criticism and appreciated it. Something that I was going to have to be able to do. The major's criticism couldn't have come at a better time in my career, when I was able to separate my emotions from his message and apply the leadership lessons I learned at OCS. I grew as a professional. This unexpected and painful experience prepared me for the for the inevitable feedback I faced later on in flight school, in the squadrons where I served, in my career at Delta Airlines, and now at Lead Star. I also learned how to deliver feedback to others in a way that helped improve the teams and organizations I've been a part of. Excellence and high performance happen only when everyone on the team, not just a select few, chooses to lead. That's the value of spark behavior. It doesn't matter whether you are a major or lieutenant. A CEO or an administrative assistant, you only need one spark to ignite a high-impact change in an organization. Even if the first person to change is yourself, that may be all your company needs to achieve significant and noticeable improvement. This is the end of the chapter, guys. Thanks for listening. 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. See you next time.